Let's pray together. Dear Lord, God, we are so thankful, God, that we get to meet together. God, I am so thankful that I get to exalt your glory. God, I'm thankful that I get to preach your word and I don't have to worry about the police breaking in here and arresting us. God, I pray, God, that you would protect the church in East Asia. God, that even as they worship you, God, that we would worship you, Lord. God, I pray that you would meet with us in this time. God, that you would produce love in our hearts for Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So my name is Ty Brogdon, and I'm really thankful to be here with you. Uh, so uh, my wife and I, about four years ago, we were sent out from this church uh, to East Asia. And so before that time, we were uh, living here, actually living with the Sullivans for most of the time, living with the Barry some. And, um, and so we were here training up, and then four years ago, we were sent out. And uh, the Lord has been so kind to us, and, and the Lord has blessed us. The Lord has blessed us through this church. And so I just want to say from the start, we, we love this church and are so thankful for y'all. We are thankful for your prayers. Uh, God really has. He has been so kind to us. Uh, and, and so I'll give you a, a brief synopsis of some of the things that have taken place uh, over the last four years. So we were sent out, uh, and just a few months in, COVID hit. Uh, and that really, uh, you, you know, we were told beforehand by somebody that you can prepare for a lot of different things, but something's going to happen that you just don't see coming, something that you cannot prepare for. And uh, that was the thing. And so... Uh, COVID hit and, you know, we hit all the lockdowns and we hit uh, all, all the same things probably that you saw here, except uh, even more so. And so, uh, but what, what ended up coming from that is that uh, a lot of the missionaries who were there left uh, and most of them were, were really unhealthy. And so uh, it let, left some of these people who needed uh, Christ and they needed uh, to be meeting with people. And so there, there left this vacuum where we were able to, to meet with some of these people and help lead them and steer them in the right direction. And so after about, uh, we started meeting regularly after about six months with a group of believers. And after about two years, uh, we planted a church, uh, a small church with six members. Uh, and then we had about six others uh, who were regularly attending that have kind of been in and out, um, and we've had new people, and we've had people leave, and so uh, we were able to plant a church by God's grace, and, you know, even in the midst, I'll, I'll share this story, and there's others that I'll share as well, um, but, but in the midst of us being there, uh, we, we met uh, an 83-year-old grandmother of one of the members, and, and this was a woman who, uh, who hated Christ, honestly. And she had no desires for Christ. Uh, she was an idolater, literally bowing down to statues in the home. And 
uh, we, we had a heart for this woman because she uh, essentially raised uh, this member of the church. And so we started praying for her and pouring into her and speaking to her about Christ. And, uh, you know, it will really rejoice your heart when you see an 83-year-old woman uh, turn in repentance and trust Christ. And so we were able to see her come to faith, and we were able to see her uh, repent of her sins and be baptized, and it was a glorious thing. It's the thing that will just rejoice your heart. And and even if we never saw anything else again in terms of fruit, uh, we would be thankful to be there just for that. And yet the Lord... Uh, he's been kind, and he's shown us uh, even more fruit. He's been, he really has. He's been very good to us. And so today, if you will turn uh, to Psalm 42, we're going to read uh, chapter 42 and 43, and we're going to spend most of our time in chapter 43. And so let's read these, these verses together. And I'll give this a reminder. You probably hear this a lot. Uh, I know Dustin says this a lot, but this is the word of God for you today. Like the, the Lord is speaking in his word to you right now. And so let's read this word. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember and pour out my soul within me, for I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. With the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. O my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and his song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Chapter 43, vindicate me, O God, and plead my case against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man, for you are the God of my strength. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling places. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and upon the lyre I shall praise you, O oh God my God. Why are you in despair, O oh my soul? And why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, the help of my countenance and my God.
And so I bring these psalms to you today, uh, and I hope that your first thought is, it must not be going good over there in East Asia. You know, th- things seem like they're really difficult, and, that, and that's why I love with that story that, uh, you know, that this is not how we often feel. You know, the Lord ha- has just shown his kindness, and we have had days of some of the greatest joy of our life. And yet, I would be lying to you if I told you that we, we haven't had days like this. We, because we have. You know, we, we've had weeks like this. That There have been months like this. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, in the midst of the Lord being so kind, uh, you know, the Lord has blessed our family with, with two more children. And so we have three little girls uh, that we love very dearly. And... Um, for our third child, she's actually not here. My, my wife is sick right now. Um, but for our third child, uh, there were some complications in the pregnancy. And pretty early on, uh, they started really telling us there were some, some major concerns that they were having. Um, you know, and, and this, uh, there, there was a lot of, of heaviness in that because, uh, first of all, you're, you're hearing things from the doctors like, uh, that you don't really understand because you're hearing it in a foreign language and then you're, you know, you're looking it up in English and you still don't know what the condition is and you got to get description of what's going on. And, uh, but, but we did understand that um, they were saying, you know, it, it does not look good. And uh, around uh, July, about five months into the pregnancy, uh, they told us that it, they think that uh, they thought our baby's head had stopped growing. And so we went through, um, yeah, this time of just of, of not knowing and, and crying out to the Lord. And a, a month went by uh, that put us at the end of July, and we got another, another scan, and it was the same thing. It looks like uh, the baby's head has not grown at all. And I just, I just felt this despair. And uh, two, two days after that, I got a call from my mother that my uncle had passed away. And um, he, he and I were very close. Uh, he was actually one of our supporters. And I just remember that night being the most, one of the most despairing nights of my life. Uh, just, just one of the most painful, uh, troublesome times uh, that it, it just hit me, hit me like a stack of bricks. And, and I just remember being halfway across the world and feeling so helpless and Lauren and I weeping together and just feeling so lonely, honestly. And, uh, you know, the reality is, is that my uncle, he was a Christian, like he's with the Lord. There's joy there. The Lord was, you know, even in the midst of our daughter, she was born healthy. Praise the Lord. Uh, he, he showed us kindness in those things. And yet there was this season of just a downcast soul of a soul in despair and I think the reality is since we've been gone for the last four years uh, there have probably been a lot of people in here who have felt that in some way or another you you know there probably have been a lot of you who have also seen uh, family members pass away or, or even just despair in the midst of COVID losing your job, like all the different things going on with the economy, or even just despair at the state of the nation, at the wickedness just being propped up in our culture. 
And so the reality is, is that I think probably a lot of us have felt this way. Uh, And so if you were expecting to get a sermon on missions, uh, that's not the exact aim of today. Uh, But I want to start with, I want to look back at at Psalm 42 really quickly, and and we'll get into the Psalms here. And so in Psalm 42, it says, For the choir director, a mascal of the sons of Korah. And so we get this contemplative psalm from one of the sons of Korah. And that, that's uh, the title for Psalm 44, 45 through chapter 49. And so we get this stack of psalms uh, from the sons of Korah. And so if you think, maybe you know, but maybe you're thinking, okay, who is Korah? And so we see this man in Numbers chapter 16. And this man is, is an evil man. Okay, and so Korah, uh, th- this man ends up uh, with two others, with Dathan and Abiram. They actually go and they oppose Moses, right? And so they're opposing Moses, saying to Moses, uh, we are holy. We're the holy ones of God. And there's this divide that comes between Moses and these men. And what ends up happening is, Uh, They're both, both Moses and Korah, are claiming to be God's servants. And so what happens is uh, there's a judgment. Moses calls for a judgment from God to to choose between Moses and and Korah. And what ends up happening is uh, Korah was wrong, and Dathan and Abiram, they were wrong. and, And the earth splits open and swallows them up and kills them along with 250 others. And so we see that this man uh, did not finish well. And so in the midst of that, uh, we see that uh, when, when you get to Numbers chapter 26, verse 11, there's this verse that says that God saved the sons of Korah. And so in the midst of this father's wickedness and this father's rebellion to Moses, Uh, God saved some of those sons and didn't let them see the same destruction that their father saw. And and ultimately, it seems like he redeemed some of them because by the time we get to to this psalm, we're seven generations later, and you have faithfulness that has come from this line. And so some of these sons of Korah, uh, they get appointed by David uh, to play the lyre, to play the music, to be singers, Uh, to be keepers at the gates of the temple. And so this family line gets restored. And so the reason I'm I'm looking at chapter 42 and 43 is because I think these psalms go together. Uh, I actually think it's probably one psalm. Okay, so there's kind of some different views on this throughout history, but probably it's one psalm because uh, chapter 43 doesn't have that heading and yet it so clearly goes with chapter 42. And so even historically, many of the texts actually put these together as one psalm. And, and if you were to just read chapter 42, uh, you would get a really muted picture. Like you need Psalm 43 uh, to, to come in here. And so this, uh, these are psalms of despair, right? And so this is the theme that gets repeated and you saw this in chapter 42 verse 5 and verse 11 and 43 5 this repeated phrase why are you in despair 
Oh, my soul, why are you disturbed within me? And so you get this psalm of lament. And, and he's remembering something uh, that he had and he doesn't have now. And, and specifically what that is, is the presence of God. And so he, he feels the presence of God is lacking. And it seems like this man, he's even away from Jerusalem. He's away from the temple and from the worship. And what's happening is he's away from the presence of God. And you have these people, these foreigners that are oppressing him. Uh, that, that, are, that are pushing down on him. This oppression, uh, they're saying to him, where is your God? And they're actually mocking him. You know, and, and this again, this is similar to uh, the world that we live in today. We live in a world that hates Christ and hates us, you know, and they're tolerant of all other types of religions, but they hate Christianity. And I think that sentiment is growing here, uh, and that sentiment uh, in East Asia is, is certainly growing. It's been there for a long time. There is a hatred of Jesus. And so throughout these psalms, uh, there, there's a, a tension of despair that's actually growing, okay? And so when you look at chapter 42, verse 9, he says, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? And so you have this man who feels forgotten of by God, distant from God. Uh, but this grows when you get to chapter 43, he says, verse 2, For you are the God of my strength. Why have you rejected me? And, and you see the shift in that. The despair has grown. He feels forgotten, and now he feels rejected. And so the, the tension builds. The, the man feels further mocked, and he feels further distance from God. And so in the midst of this psalm, this psalm, uh, this man is having a discussion with himself, right? He, he's uh, preaching to himself, and he's praying to God, and, and there's this back and forth, this tension between what's going on in here and trying to look outside of himself and look to God. And part of the reason that I have, have picked these psalms is because uh, in chapter 42 and 43, the psalmist is still in despair by the end of the psalm. Like, he, he still is feeling this way. He's, he's saying the right things to himself, and yet he still uh, feels this tension in the soul. And, and I think there's probably a good chance that some of you sitting here are feeling this now. You're in this right now. And so what's he doing in the, midst of, in the midst of this pain? Throughout these, this psalm, he's, he's making an appeal to God. Like one of the things that he's doing, he, he's appealing to the nature of who God is. Right? And, and 42 verse 2, he, he calls him the living God. Right? You, he's, he's not the God like the idols are. He's not like them. They're dead. They, they have eyes and they don't see. They have ears and they don't, don't hear. But, but this is the living God, the one that we go to. And so the psalmist is reminding himself of that. In 42, 5, 11, 
And in 43.4, we see that he's my God. He's preaching to himself, my God, the one who has been kind to me, the one who who has loved me, he's my God. There's a personal relationship here, and yet he still feels that distance. In verse 8, he's he's Jehovah, the Lord. He's the one true God. This is what he's preaching to himself. Verse 8, he's the God of my life. He's the God who gives us everything. He's the God, and, and without him we would have nothing. He's the one who sustains my life. He's the one who's making our heart beat. Right? He, he's the one who gives us these hands to work for him. He gives us everything. He's the God of our life. Verse 9, he's God, my rock. He, he's the firm foundation. He's the one, when, when the waves are beaten down, when you're depressed in your soul, he's the one that we stand on. He, he's the sure and steady anchor He's the firm foundation. He's the rock. He's the one that we stand and he gives us sure footing. In verse 11 and 43, 4, it says, God, my exceeding joy. He, he's preaching that God is the God of exceeding joy and yet he doesn't feel it. He, he doesn't have the emotions there. Right? There's something missing there in the emotions. He doesn't feel it. And yet he's telling himself, God, my exceeding joy. God, where in you there's fullness of joy. In 43.5, it says the help of my countenance. The ESV probably says it better. It says my salvation and my God. This is God is my salvation. This is the all-encompassing everything from God. God, you're the Savior. And so we see even in the midst of this despair, what is he doing? He's proclaiming who God is. He's looking to the character of God. He's he's trying to, uh, in the midst of looking inward, he's trying to look to God and look outward. And so Psalm 43 is where the shift comes in from chapter 42. And so in chapter 42, we see the despair. We see his soul is disturbed. Uh, We see in verse 7, he's recalling deep cause to deep. He's saying his sorrows are pouring on him one after another after another, like a waterfall that just keeps coming. Like this, this is what happened with Job. When Job, when when he lost all of his livestock and he lost all of his possessions and his sons and daughters all died and it's just one after another after another. And chapter 43 is where the shift comes and he asks something of God, right? And so this is where uh, he's asking, making a request to God and, and he makes a request for two things. The first one here is vindication. Vindicate me, O God. Plead my case against an ungodly nation. Literally, literally he's saying, God, defend me. 
judge between me and them. God, show who's right. God, show your power. Contend my case, God. You know, and so it's, it's interesting that you have the son of Korah saying this, and this is the same judgment that was passed on his great, 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 great grandfather. And when that judgment came for Korah, uh, it was a judgment indeed. He, he died. Moses was proven right. Korah was proven wrong. And now you have this son asking the same thing of God, and he's right. There, there needs to be a vindication. There needs to be a judgment. You, you know, ultimately, God, God is going to do this. God is going to bring a judgment. He, he's going to separate out the, the sheep and the goats, the wheat and the tares. God is going to bring a judgment. And so if, uh, I'll say this now, but if you're not in Christ, God is going to judge you, and you're going to bear the wrath for all of your sins. God's wrath is actually, if you're not in Christ, his wrath is actually hanging over you. And there's a day coming that he will pour it out on you. Or he will pour it out on Christ. And so we see that he's asking for a judgment. He's asking for this vindication. The second thing he's asking for, and I think this is the primary focus, he's saying, send out your light and your truth. God, give me your light. Give me your truth. And so he, he's asking, he wants uh, light and truth. What, what do light and truth do? They lead us on a path. Right? You need truth. You, you need the right directions. You need light to see. And so we see that this light and truth, they're, they're the necessary companions that are going to ensure a safe journey. The, a, a safe arrival. And so this is, uh, where does he want to go? He wants to go to the presence of God. He wants to go to, to God, your holy hill. God, I want to go to your dwelling places. Why does he want that? He wants God. That's the heart of the psalm, is that I'm in despair. God, I need you. And so he's asking God, send out your light and your truth. And I think explicitly uh, that this psalmist is asking for a savior. He's asking for a king. And, and I'll prove that later, but, but I think he knows exactly what he's asking for when he's asking for the light and the truth. He's asking for Jesus, what has been fulfilled in Jesus. And so Jesus is the light. Right? And I think this psalmist, I don't even think it's just an illusion that he's asking for something like that. I think he knows that he's asking for a king to come. I think he knows he's asking for a savior. He, know, he knows that he's asking for one to come and judge the nations. And so we see that Jesus is the light. In John 8, 12, it says, Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
John 1 talks about this true light coming, which gives light to everyone. And that's talking about Jesus. And so we see Jesus is the light. This is what the psalmist is asking for. He's asking for Jesus. And we also say, see that Jesus is the truth. Right? John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so Jesus himself is telling us that he is the truth. He is the way to God. He, he is the one who gives life. If you want God the Father, you need Jesus. You need a Savior to take you there, right? And this is what the psalmist is asking for, to, to go before God, to go to the altar of God, to praise God. And so we see that Jesus is the light. Jesus is the truth. Right? Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And so you think, okay, so how do I know Jesus? And very simply, we know Jesus through the Word, through the Word of God. Right? And so the Word, uh, the Scripture also talks about the Word as being a light, as the Word being the truth. Why? Because the Word leads us to Jesus. And so Psalm 119, 105, your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And, and there are plenty of other verses that we can look at uh, for all of these truths. And so we see that this word is profitable. This word from God will lead you to God. It leads you to know him. Like you, you need to understand, if not for this word, you would not have anything. What would you know about Jesus if not for this word? You would not know anything. And so this, this word is so important for us. It's our very life. It's, it's how we live. It's how we know God. And so we see that God's word is all sufficient for us. No matter what your need is, his word is sufficient for you. Because his word brings us to Christ. And so how do we hope in God? You know, this is the prayer of the psalmist. This is the command that he's giving to his own soul. He's commanding himself, hope in God. For I shall again praise him. The help of my countenance and my God. My salvation and my God. And so we see a pattern here of a, of a few things in particular uh, that this psalmist is doing. And the first one that we see, it's, it's to pray. When you feel this way, when you feel this despair in the soul, you're supposed to pray. You're supposed to go to God and pray to Him. How, one of the ways that Joel Beakey puts this, he says, prayer more than anything else denies the self, relinquishes total control, confesses our need, leans on God, goes outside of ourselves, and cries out for help. And so prayer that pleads the promises of God and confesses our hope in his word will never disappoint 
It will strengthen us and carry us through the valley of the shadow of death until the Lord grants relief. And so think about what a privilege it is that we can pray to our God and he hears us. The all-powerful God, the kind God, if you're in Christ, we're talking about a God who loves you so dearly. A, a God who, who truly cares for you. You know, if you're, if you're a parent, you understand this in a certain way about how much you love your child. You know, and our, our third daughter, when she was born healthy, you, you want to talk about rejoicing and praising God when she was born healthy. In the midst of all the trials, in the midst of all the pain and the, the sorrow and the weeping days when that baby girl was born healthy, you want to talk about a heart that exploded in praise to God. Why? Because we, we love our baby girl. And think about how much God loves us as his children, that he's adopted us. We're, we're talking about a pure love that God has for us, and we can pray to him. And you think about how could you not pray to him? Think about the confidence that we have in prayer when we go to him as Christians. You know, God, if you're in Christ, God actually hears your prayers. He actually delights for you to come to him. He actually commands for you to come to him. In Zechariah 13, 9, it says, They shall call on my name and I will hear them. I will say... It is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. And so the Lord, he loves for us to come to him. You know, the Lord, he actually, he actually binds himself by his word that we can come to him. And, and that he gives us promises that when we call to him, he'll hear us. When we call to him, he will act. You know, after Solomon, he, he made his prayer of dedication the Lord made him a promise. He says, Now mine eyes shall be open, my, eyes sh my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. We see other places. There, there's tons of places in the scripture. Proverbs 15 teaches us that God hears the prayer of the righteous because they are a delight to him. You know, it's, it's not even that uh, we can pray and God hears us, and, but he doesn't like it. Like, no, God actually delights for us to come to him. He, he delights for us to bring our cares to him, to bring our troubles to him. He, he's designed it this way. And you think about how kind this is when God, he knows every prayer that you're ever going to pray to him. He, he knows everything that's ever going to formulate in your head. He knows it all. And yet he tells us, tells us to come to him, to pray to him, to make request of him, to ask of him. David refers in Psalm 65 to God as thou that hearest prayer. Do you believe this about God? Is this an encouragement to your soul that God, he hears prayer? You know, when you look at Psalm 34, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Do you believe that God will do that for you? Do you really believe God at his word?
That you, you take His Word and you go to Him in prayer and you, you cling to those promises that God has given us. We're, we're talking about promises from the King of kings and Lord of lords. The one with all power. The one who does all that He pleases. And He hears you. Even Jesus Himself... He tells us to ask of Him. Until now you've, you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. In 1 John 5, if, if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if He hears us, we know that we have the things we ask for. What sweet promises that we can go to God in prayer. And so th this is what the psalmist does. He's going to God. God, vindicate me. God, send out your light and your truth. He's going to God in prayer. The second thing that we see is to ponder. Ponder what he's done for you. Preach to yourself what God has done for you. You need to, you need to ponder Christ. Remember Christ. We're talking about the king who has loved you so thoroughly. Truly, that there has never been anyone who has loved you like Jesus. Uh, th think about your wretched state without Christ. Th think about all the sin that you have committed, all of the rebellion against the holy God who made you, the one who made these hands and you take them and you sin against God, the one who, who made your mind and you take it and you, and you stir up evil thoughts against him and evil plans against him how, how wicked we have all been and yet Christ he has died for, for you for me for sinners he came to save sinners if you repent of your sins and trust Christ he will save you he, he delights to save you this is why he came. He loves to save sinners. And so we see Jesus. He, he died on the cross for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he rose on the third day victorious. This is the king that we're talking about. And, and you need to ponder what Jesus has done for you. You, you need to think on what, what do you have in Christ if you're in Christ, what do you have? You have everything. You have Christ himself. You have the king himself. You have all blessedness itself in God. You have the righteousness of God. Jesus has actually come to give you his righteousness and declare you clean. You have grace from God in Jesus Christ. He, he has poured out grace upon grace in your life. Th think about all of the grace and mercy that God has given you. Th think about the fact that you can go to God and you can ask Him for grace and mercy in a time of need, and He will give it to you. You know, th there have been so many days that we have gone, gone to His throne and asked Him for grace for mercy and grace and cried out to him, God, God be merciful to us. And, and we never returned empty-handed. He always did it. He loves to do that. 
We have God's love. Think about how much he loves you, that he sent his son to die for you. He's adopted you as a child. If you're in Christ, you're a child of God, a child of the king. How blessed, blessed is that? You have forgiveness from God. Think about your, your sins, how they piled up and, and God comes in and forgives them. Think about the fact that you get to wake up every day and your sins are forgiven. How glorious is that? You've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. You've been brought near. You have access to God. He sanctifies us. God is actually making you holy, working in you through Christ to, to conform you into his image. You have peace with God. Do you believe that? You can have peace of soul because you have peace with God, because your sins are forgiven. There used to be enmity, and now there's peace. There's no more hostility if you're in Christ. Ephesians 1, it says we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That He chose us. He predestined us. He loved us so thoroughly. Do you believe that? Do you see that? In the midst of your despair, do you see these things? Do you hold on to these truths? Are you looking to Christ? You know, you, you have the very presence of God. God has sent His Holy Spirit into our hearts. Think about that kindness from God. That He would give you Himself, His, His own Spirit, to live inside of you, to help you, to point you to Christ. You know, th think on the, the character of God. How, how loving and how compassionate how gracious and kind, how merciful he has been. Right? In Nehemiah chapter 9, when you see the Israelites confessing their sin, they're calling out to the character of God. They're calling out to his, his abounding love and faithfulness. You know, even the psalmist here, when he's appealing to who God is and, and to his character, he's calling out to the living God. To the God who is my rock. The God who is my salvation. And in the midst of your despair, you, you can't just keep looking inward. And keep looking at your struggles and keep looking at your, your trials and your difficult situations. You, you need to look to God. Your, your soul needs to cling to these promises that we have from God. Cling to the fact that God, He's powerful He's truthful. He's patient and long-suffering. You know, even in the midst of afflictions, you know, in the midst of this, again, this psalm, the author is still in this despair by the end of Psalm 43. And he's still in despair into Psalm 44. And, and it may be that that you're in that despair for more than a day or more than a week or more than a month. And God, He... God is still good. 
and he's still kind and he's still there. We have access to him. And so we need to ponder Christ. We need to ponder God and his character. We need to ponder the word. You need to look to the word and consider the word. In Psalm 119, it says, Remember the word unto thy servant, upon which thou hast caused me to hope. God's very word helps to produce hope. And what is the psalmist saying to himself? Hope in God. If you want to hope in God, you need his word. You need to hope in his word. The last thing I'll say on this point is ponder your own life. Ponder what God has done in your own life and in your own heart. Ponder the fact that that if you're in Christ, He's made you new. You know, uh, in Asia, I I ponder the fact that God has been so kind uh, to our daughter who was born healthy. We, we ponder that. We think on that. You know, even, even in the church, uh, we ponder the fact that, so, so one of the girls um, in our church, one of the members, uh, she was, was not raised in a Christian family, uh, didn't know the Lord, and when she was nine years old, um, her father tragically died in a car accident. And so she's left for the next 10 years with just this question of, where, where's my daddy at? And, and it just leaves her wondering, you know, what, what's going to happen when we die? And she just has this question constantly, and she's asking people, and nobody can give her an answer for 10 years. And, and what ends up happening is she goes to college, and she asks one of her professors this question, and he says to her, don't worry about that. You, you just need to worry about making money. You just need to worry about... Uh, doing a good job and having a family and she wasn't satisfied and and what happened after is another girl in her class came up to her and says I I can tell you where your daddy's at and I I can tell you where you're gonna go and um, preach the gospel to her and what happened is is she repented of her sins and trusted Christ and, and so God she she had had this question burning for years and years and years and years and then God sent somebody to her to tell her about Christ, and she repented and believed, and she's one of the members of the church. But, but what happened after that was uh, her mother disowned her for becoming a Christian, and so her mother hated Christ. Uh, her mother was an idolater, and so um, in, in the, the realm of idolatry with where they're at, um, you know, all the gods are acceptable except Jesus because uh, Jesus, he is the way, not a way. And so there was just this hatred that came from her mother for becoming a Christian. And she prayed for her mother and, and was disowned by her mother. And after uh, many years, that, that relationship got restored. Uh, but her mother still wasn't a Christian and I just remember week after week uh, going into the meeting that we're meeting together, uh, when we meet together every week, uh, praying for this woman's mother. And about a year ago, uh, her mother became a Christian and repented of her sins. Uh, 
and was baptized in the church. Uh, and, and I just remember, God, this is what you've done. God, you've been so kind to this woman that, that for 50 years she didn't even know who Jesus was. She had no interest in, in him. And yet as a 60-year-old woman, she has turned to Christ. And you need to remember all the kindness that God has shown towards you. Uh, the, this third point is praise. You know, kind of the, the aim of this psalm, what, what's he wanting to do? He's wanting to praise him, praise the king, praise God, right? He wants to come into God's presence. Why? So that he can praise him, so that he can proclaim his excellencies, and I won't, won't spend too much time here, but what I'll say is when you're, when you're thinking on Christ and you're remembering what Christ has done for you and you're remembering who you are in Christ and that your sins are forgiven, what's that supposed to produce in your heart? It's supposed to produce praise and love for God and so it, if you're thinking on Christ and you're thinking on the character of God and it's not producing praise, there is something wrong. And so again, we, we need to look outward. We need to look at what we have in Christ. You know, in the midst of your despair, you should, you should wake up and remember that your sins are forgiven. Wake up and remember that you're righteous. And so this is supposed to produce praise Right? This is what we're going to be doing uh, in heaven, in eternity. We're going to be praising God. In Revelation 19 it says, And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. In the midst of your despair, give praise to God. Give praise to God that he, he's put you in whatever circumstances you're in, whatever trials you're in, whatever despair you're in, give thanks to God. And if your despair is a result of sin, repent of your sins and give thanks to God that he'll forgive you in Christ. He'll forgive the man who's repenting, who's clinging to Christ. And so praise God, praise him all you nations. Let the peoples praise you. This is the heart of the psalm. This is the aim. Praise to God. You know, th this praise, th this needs to be pouring out in your households. In your own house, you know, would, would your children, if they were to look at your house and analyze it, would they think, man, my parents are just thanking Jesus all the time. They're just pointing to Jesus all the time. Is your marriage full of thankfulness to God? Is your singleness full of thankfulness to God? Your house should be full of thankfulness to God. Joy in God. As a Christian, how could it not be? Remember what God has done for you. The fourth point that I have here is to proclaim proclaim what he's done individually, proclaim what he's done corporately. You know, there, there's an aspect of, of these psalms that is 
uh, there's an individual piece to it. There's an individual despair that's being felt. Uh, and yet, there's not just an individual aim. And so what I mean by that, uh, in chapter 42, we see that he wants to, to go with them in the, in the procession to the house of God, with the throng and lead them to the pr procession of God. With a voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. And so there's a way that this praise is supposed to be expressed uh, privately, and there's a way that it's supposed to be expressed corporately. You should be thankful for the church of God. You, you should love to meet together. It shouldn't be a burden to come together and meet together and stir one another up to love and good works and, and stir one another up to love Christ. We're supposed to proclaim all that God has done. Proclaim His excellencies to, to the world and to your fellow Christians to encourage one another, to help one another. You know, even in the midst of, uh, like in, in Psalm 31, uh, Psalm 31 is another psalm of despair. And you see, when, when you look at some of these verses in Psalm 31, uh, that this psalmist feels very desperate. He's asking God, God, incline your ear quickly. He's calling out to God, I'm, my, my spirit is disturbed within me. I, I have great affliction. I have, verse 7, troubles of my soul. Verse 9, be gracious to me, O God, for I am in distress. My years are spent with sighing. My strength has failed. And you just see over and over and over, I am forgotten. I am like a broken vessel. And then you see this change when you get to verse 23. And you see this shift in what happens. And so it, it's, there's this focus on me and I, and it just says it over and over and over. You can, you can look at it with your eyes. And in verse 23, he says, Oh, love the Lord, all you his godly ones. The Lord preserves the faithful and fully recompenses the proud doer. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. And so this despair turns to a proclamation of God, of his glory. Praise him, all you peoples. And so the reality is you're not supposed to continue to feel the despair of soul. You're not supposed to just stay in that state. How could you if, if you know who you are in Christ? And so ultimately, what, what's the fulfillment of this hope? It's Christ. It's to be in the presence of God. It's to be at His holy hill and at His dwelling place. In Psalm 2, verse 6, we see that, that Jesus is seated on the throne. Psalm 2, 6, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. Psalm 3, 4, I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain. And so we see that Christ is seated on the throne, and we proclaim his excellencies here and in the church. And so if you feel despair of soul, 
Uh, don't isolate yourself. Why would you do that? You, like, do you think that's going to be helpful to you? It most certainly will not. You need to be with the people of God. You need to be thankful for this church. You know, one of the things I prayed at the very beginning is, God, thank you that I don't have to worry about the police coming in here and breaking up this meeting and arresting me and arresting some of these members. You, you know, that is a fear where we're at. Uh, that, that is a concern where we're at in East Asia. We pray that every week. We pray that multiple times a week. We know that, that there are people who are meeting with us that if we get found out, they will go to prison. And yet still, they're coming together because they know they need to meet with the people of God. They want to come into the presence of God. This is the heart and aim of what we're doing here. It's to praise God. It's to, to meet with Him, to, to love Him and adore Him. It's to, to love God and love each other. This is the aim. And so we proclaim His excellencies and ultimately, if, if you feel despair in your soul, you really do. You need Christ. You need his people. Do not neglect that. And so ultimately, one thing I alluded to earlier is uh, we see these aspects uh, that God has given us that we're supposed to, uh, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to, we're supposed to pray we're supposed to ponder, we're supposed to praise, and we're supposed to proclaim. And this, this is exactly what happens in Psalms 42 through 49. And so all of these Psalms, that they're of the sons of Korah. And so the, this son of Korah, he's, he's writing these Psalms. And so I, I'm suggesting that Psalm 42 through 49, they go together and they tell a story uh, and the story that they're telling, you get uh, Psalm 42, there's despair of the soul. There's this confession of what he feels like. And then in Psalm 43, he, he starts talking about this despair more and asking something of God. He starts praying to God. Okay? God, give me vindication. Send out your light and your truth. In Psalm 44, we see that he's remembering what God has done, but he's still downcast. 44 verse 1, O God, we have heard with our ears. Our fathers have told the works that you did in their days, in the days of old. And so he starts remembering what God has done. In chapter 45, verses 1 through 5, I'll read that. It says, My heart overflows with a good theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips, therefore God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and your majesty. And in your majesty ride on victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome things. Your arrows are sharp, the peoples fall under you. Your arrows are in, in the heart of the king's enemies. And so we see this proclamation of a king that a king is coming, and I think this is alluding to Christ in Psalm 45. I think this is explicitly about a savior being heralded, heralded, one of the line of David. And you get to chapter uh, 46, verse 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength, 
a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains, mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and, and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. And ultimately, Psalm 46, it goes through this, this final uh, celebration. This final salvation of Jerusalem is celebrated. In verse 10, it says, Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. And we see this proclamation from God himself that he will be exalted. He will be praised. He will be celebrated. He's, he's going to, to bring all things to conclusion. And then what happens in Psalm 47 and Psalm 48? They're psalms of praise to God. Psalm 47, Oh, clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with the voice of joy. For the Lord Most High is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. Psalm 48, 1, Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised in the city of our God, his holy mountain. And you, and you just see these psalms coming together where there's, there's prayer and there's pondering, remembering what God has done. There's praising God for what he has done. There's proclaiming, all you peoples, praise him. And it concludes in Psalm 49. And again, verse 1, hear this, all peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world. So he's calling these people to listen. Verse 5, and, and this is the shift, right? Remember, in, in chapter 43, there's despair of soul. And here's the shift in 49, verse 5. Why should I fear in the days of adversity when the iniquity of my foes surround me? Th this is what our heart is supposed to say in the midst of despair. Why would I fear this? It, I have Christ. And so there's this praise to God in all circumstances. Verse 15, we're redeemed by God. He's redeemed my soul. Verse 19 is how it concludes. He shall go to the generation of this father's. They will never see the light. And you see this final condemnation that comes in 49. Don't envy the wicked. Don't envy those who prosper through, through deceptive ways. Don't, don't envy the rich. Why, why would you envy them? The, the rich who don't have Christ, why would you envy them? Well, why, would you, why would you covet after anything that they have? They don't have Christ. They have nothing. The, you know, you, your worst day in this life, if you are in Christ, your worst day is better than their best day. Why? Because you have Christ. You, you've been united with Christ. Your sins are forgiven. Your eternity is secured. And so, and so what do we do? We hope in God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, God, I do pray that we would hope in you. God, that we would long for you, long to be with you. God, that, that you would encourage our hearts to pray to you. God, that you would work in us prayer to you, God.
God, I pray that we would look to Christ and long for Christ, remember what Christ had done for us. God, and I do pray that these things would produce praise to your name and proclamation of your glory, God, both in this church and to all nations. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.